0: For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new, nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins, let's run there head to brooksrunning.com to learn more
1: hey thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the southern ground hunting podcast where you're going to hear a valuable hunting based conversation that's tailored for us southern folk if you love what we do and would like to support southern ground hunting you can visit patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting or you can click on the link in the show notes below We'd love for you to join the Southern Ground Hunting community today. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash southerngroundhunting. You can also support us by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps more than you know, and we greatly appreciate it. And now, let's get to the show. All right, we are ending the year 2022, our last podcast of 2022 and we're ending it strong with uh one of my favorite dudes to talk to, Mr. Brad Lutchell from Go, Go Wild. How's it going, Brad?
2: What's up, dude? Uh yeah, I'm glad to be your end of the year wrap-up. It's cool because I was I actually just posted this morning about my end of the year wrap-up. Uh, you know, Go Wild does those recaps for yep. you. And I started looking at mine and I didn't get it as many hours outside as I may have in the past, but like the 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 time to- the quality of the time spent. You know, I had a lot of personal best moments. I had a lot of first moments. So it'll be fun to catch up with you and uh, talk a little bit about what 2022 looked like. And maybe if we get time, we'll talk a little bit about 23 for Go Wild.
1: Heck yeah. So um, I actually did all my end of the year. I looked at the end of the year recap um, on Go Wild. I realized so I post pretty much all the trophies, right? And I stack up points early in the season with, uh, with doe kills. So... Yeah. <laughs> um like it gives me like I'm sure like I don't know what the average amount of points is for people but like yeah. in
2: Yeah what how many points do you have
1: It's like 14 something 14,000 uh, or something I think so let me look real quick because Yeah I, so so while you
2: while you're looking at that I'll explain what we're talking about to people so go out um you can log even like you said a dough we, we you can log a dough as a trophy and those kind of go a couple different ways for people. So they or like, they do a couple different things. So it's, it's giving you uh, more credibility in the app. Like the app's algorithm looks at your points too, but it also unlocks rewards. So as you get points, you, you might unlock a discount on binoculars or something like that. So that's kind of what Parker's talking about right now.
1: Yeah. So I've got 14,888. Um, yeah, that's and good. It, and it's all trophies. So what I realized when I did this is that I don't log my activities very well yeah 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 and i'm the same boat sometimes i'll like especially if it's like
2: four days straight of hard hunting um i mean you know you get home after 12 hours and you're like i i, I don't want to open my phone up for any app right even my own and i so i sometimes will be like wednesday and i'm logging sunday's time or you could be like lynn hoffman out of alaska who's logging stuff because he goes off for like two months with no phone service. And he comes back, he's logging September's hunts right now.
1: (laughs) Holy cow. So (laughs) I I, I have an idea and maybe it's something that you guys have already thought about. And maybe honestly, it's something that you already do with Garmin. I know y'all do some stuff, but like, you know how my, like my wife's, uh, like her Fitbit will tell her or Apple Watch will be like, you spent so-and-so amount of time doing this. What if there was something that you could come up with that like recognized, you were doing a uh like a, a loggable activity and it went straight to your go wild account. Yeah, so the uh,
2: there is, I can't remember if the Apple one is still live. But I think it is. I think you can do this on Apple, Android, or Garmin. Um, Garmin is the one we're known for. That's what uh you know, a lot of hardcore outdoor enthusiasts use Garmin's because they're really well built, they're rugged, yada yada. Um so the just I'll use that one as an example. If I track a hike a hunt whatever it is on my my garmin app it will automatically sync to my go out account i just have to uh, as long as i've synced my phone and my watch like if you have a bluetooth connection you pull up your garmin connect it'll actually import that in automatically and then go out has that automatically and so you can actually post um the the hike or the hunt or whatever it is and and you'll go to, when you go into post you can import it from the watch and so i did that the other day actually i did a hike um you know it's not just hunting and fishing for me i really like hiking too. and I did, I did this really hard, hardcore hike the other day because i was insane i did it was only it was only 10 miles did i say only but it was 2700 feet of elevation climb and i hiked up to uh, a gap here in i'm uh, in the tri-state area in kentucky tennessee and virginia and i hiked into an old settlement from that's like 120 years ago there were people living up on top of this mountain And so you can go up there and see all these cabins and everything, but I actually did what you're talking about. I can automatically, like when I was done, it synced to my phone and then I just imported it straight from there. So you actually can do that.
1: That is cool. And
2: and even cooler. If you, uh, when you go into the activity, I can scroll through a timeline of the hike and it pulls in my photos synced up to where I was and I can see my heart rate overlaid with those photos. And when you stop scrolling, you can actually feel your pulse like what your pulse was at that exact second the phone will vibrate at the pace at which your heart was beating
1: that's pretty insane actually yeah it's insane <laughs> that's, Mike, that's, we, uh, I'm, I'm more we, we worried about at, machines taking over the world now than i was 10 minutes ago uh, well we'll end
2: we'll end the podcast with talking about uh, a new little guy that's on go out that uh Oh, yeah, even more a little bit in a good way. He's fun, but we'll talk about Squatchbot at the end.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
2: If we don't, I'm going to forget to circle back to that. And everybody's going to listen to this whole podcast and then we'll we'll like have not done it. So I have to come back and talk about Squatchbot on a second show because Brad's memory is terrible.
1: Yeah, well, we'll talk about about it because he was pretty memorable for me. (laughs) Uh, So I'll I'll remember it. Um, All right, great. So, Brad, it's been a minute since we've talked. And uh, one of the things that. Um, I've always really liked about you as kind of a spokesperson for go wild is like uh, almost your, um, like, like you weren't, you, you're not new to hunting, but maybe newer than a lot of people are to hunting and kind not of you're
2: not an influencer, like not, not uh, a, not a, not a thought leader, like none of just an average pretty terrible at hunting kind of guy
1: <laughs> with, with this great idea for the hunting community. And what I think is so cool about go wild is never once. Do you see people say the bull crap about, um, like, like y'all, y'all's whole goal is to, to fight, uh, social media censorship, right. but you're also in, in a way it, you fight with doing that. You're fighting kind of the inner, the inner, uh, debacles that you see on social media between other hunters. And so, I like how you've always been very focused on um, the the meal afterwards, right? The the meat that yeah. um, comes from the animals that you shoot, and um, and also kind of your experience of it. And go wild kind of captures what your experience was. And I say that because we've got we've had people on the show like Michael Perry, who's a fellow that's from down here uh, in Alabama. And he journals everything, so he can go back and look at all his journals. And everybody thinks that's really cool. We've talked to Mr. Warren Womack, who does the exact same thing. And you go back and look at these journals and and see all the memories. And that's the thing that people appreciate about these kind of guys. And Go Wild has basically made it for the modern person to use all the same technology and do the exact same thing. So one day, when you're, you know, whatever, 65 years old, and smartphones are outdated at some point uh, whatever it, i'm super concerned you have your chip your chip will be in your head <laughs> yeah you sort through all this stuff you can go yeah. through your go wild account and that chip in your head <laughs> and uh but but it is it is really cool i like the journaling factor and i think a lot of it comes from you as a uh and kind of your personality however this year um it was not i mean i'm sure it was still about the meat but you put some serious antler on the ground. Like you, you put a, you put one up on the board that was a toad.
2: Yeah. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah. I got, a, I, I, it was a compressed year. Like I didn't put in my normal amount of days and I didn't pre scout. So it was, it was like a really intense, probably like eight to 10 days total of hunting. of uh, And I'm hunting a small plot, but the, um, It's like 70 or 80 acres, but there's normally like a couple corners where the the deer are always at and I just show up and I, you know, I've had pretty good luck out there. I mean, I'll scout it, but this year I didn't run any cameras. I didn't do any scouting. And so real time was trying to figure out where they were. And, um, I I did a little bit of archery hunting out there and the deer just were not, the, the drop was just weak on one side of the property. And so the deer were not where they were in years past. And, uh, it was honestly kind of a rookie mistake. I mean, uh, to what you said a second ago, just explain a little bit. I'm, I kind of made fun of myself a little bit, but, um, just to explain what Parker's talking about, it's like, I didn't start this because I was some like, great wise monk of hunting who wanted to share my knowledge. I actually really sucked at whitetail hunting <laughs> and I was trying to get better. And I realized how bad these forums are, uh, because you all, a lot of times there's a lot of knowledge in forums, but it gets lost and it gets really difficult to access people in your area. And I just thought there was a lot of things that I could improve as somebody that was working in technology at the time, and so built Go Wild to be able to connect you around whatever you do to people near you, right? And we do that really well. I think we do that better than anybody. Um, so I I still use that in that same way today. Like this year, I I did some of my first, I, I, I did a. a probably the most evening hunts turkey hunting i'd ever done and i learned how to do that through a rap you know when i talk about how much go out can do for people i'm not just saying this like i'm living it um and in fact we'll talk about a hunt here in a minute that i went on through guys with guys that i met on the platform right i went fishing this summer with a guy that i met on the platform um so this year with the deer hunt that you're talking about um <clears throat> you know a lot of it was talking to people i want one of the guys that i've become friends with mike larson was kind of con- consulting me along the way i'm like man I mean, even sending him pictures of the map, he's like, yeah, that, I mean, that should be a good spot with that strategy, yada, yada. And, um, you know, it started to become apparent that, like, it wasn't going to come together on that part of the property. So I kind of started moving around to see what the deer were doing. And, uh, you know, over the first six days of being out there, really realized that they were they were coming through the property in a way that I had never seen them do before, coming in different spots. Uh, this was my first time saddle hunting this year, which was awesome. Um, I think I... I think I spent maybe one or two days. I don't remember how many total days, probably less than 10 total in a tree. Um, But, you know, I did maybe a couple days on buddy stands, but most of it was saddle hunting, which was so awesome. It's so freaking mobile. It's so ability to like in this scenario, uh, you know, when you're starting to realize like, oh, they're coming in a spot that I don't have a stand for. I don't really have a way to set up on that. You know, I was able to get out to a finger, um, uh and and hunt a spot that i wouldn't have been able to do in a climber um i, I was in a tree and you you're one of the first people that taught me this of like you can get into any tree you know with some patience and that's that's what i ended up doing i ended up being up in a tree that no climbing stand or buddy stand would have ever been able to get into um, but i figured out these deer were um grazing in a different spot out in the field and i don't know what that was about i don't know what they're after that they're normally not out there um, but thicker out there than normal in the middle, like that at sunset, there were really like the last hour, there's just all the activity was happening in the last hour. It wasn't as much throughout the day as I've seen in the past, but the, the bucks were also coming out of like mi- this one middle part of the property, um, that, that I've not really seen them move as much. And a lot of this has made me wonder if I just haven't seen it before because I didn't have the saddle. You yeah. and I, have, I think you, you and I, or maybe it's me and Bill Thompson. I can't remember. I think it was you though, had talked about that of, you know, you don't know what you're missing. If you're always sitting in the same stand That's and the, right. the ability to get mobile, the ability to get mobile is just, you find deer activity that you didn't know was there. And so I don't know if it was that or if the deer really like, I don't know what, I, I think the saddle really opened me up to seeing a lot of this activity. But yeah, man, mean, I, I started to realize where the does were coming through and, um, I've, I've got this weird, like obsession with trying to shoot one of these does on a spot and stalk in an open field. Like, I don't know why <laughs> I just like really want to pop one, uh, uh, in an open field and like, see about how with I can a, get up to one with a bow or a gun, a, a gun or a bow. I don't really care. Um, and I finally got this, this year on opening day, I, uh, I decided to get out a little bit early so that I wouldn't be coming through the woods in the total right. darkness and cause I was coming back the next day. And I didn't want to blow out my spot or blow out any deer here. So I wanted to be able to see a little bit. And so I actually had, uh, I crept up on a doe and I was doing all the logistics in my head. I got within (laughs) 60 or 70 yards of her. I had a shot. But I'm like, man, I got to be out here tomorrow again. I'm going to get up at four o'clock in the morning. If I shoot her now, it's going to be an hour up to the processor because I knew I wasn't going to, I, I normally process on me, but I knew I was coming back the next day and I was just like, I'm going to have to do this and this. So, uh, but, anyways, my point being, I, I, w- I started to realize how thick they were on the fields be- that night. I was like, this is odd. Like normally there's, there's more action in different, like they're coming through the trees uh, more throughout the day. So I was like, well, maybe I should set up closer up here and see what happens the next day. So I moved like a hundred yards and then I moved another hundred yards. And then uh, I started to see, like I had seen two massive bucks bigger than the one I shot coming out of this exact same spot where I shot my deer and so the bucks were just, like, I don't know if they always come through. Now I'm like wondering in past seasons if maybe I've just misread. You know, it's like you don't really know though because you I couldn't have set up where I was, and I don't know what they're doing without truck cameras over there. Um, but yeah, man, I had uh, I kept moving. I don't think I I think I hunted maybe the same spot a couple times, but most of it I was in a new spot all the time, and I was putting together. Um, you know, and maybe a testament to the saddle that I had a compressed season that I didn't put in 30 days, like I would have done in past seasons. Uh, maybe the mobility helped me get my tag or, you know, cash my tag out, uh, yeah, faster. And,
1: and like what you're saying, um, I, I'm, I say this a lot. Uh, I haven't said it as much this year cause I haven't hunted as much private land this year. Uh, usually I'll have, you know, opportunity to go here and there to my dad's property or go with a friend or whatever, but I've pretty much only hunted public this year. Um, I hunted private on one day when I took my kids out and that's it. But, but anytime that I go and hunt a private piece, uh, typically, you know, they have shooting houses, food plots, feeders, whatever. Yeah. They have all those things. And if I am, uh, you know what? I did hunt private land just like this in Mississippi this year. And uh, I'd forgot about this hunt. And they had all these things. They had all the, all the spots but I, I, I like to get back into a corner or a spot where
0: yeah. it
1: makes sense on a map. Maybe it's not the best spot, but the fact that it doesn't have a stand there tells me, like, there's a good chance some deer are coming through right there avoiding all these people. And so I did that this year. I've done it in years past, and it always seems to pay off. Like, oh, there's always yeah. seems to be, like, like, everybody who's at the camp who's hunted that property for years is like you come out here in one day and or two days and figure yeah. this out. It's like, I mean, and yes, you could do it if you're hunting on the ground, you could do it if you're hunting with a climber um, just the same as you can do it with a saddle. But I find with the saddle, because it's so lightweight, um, I can get back maybe a little bit further, tighter spaces, thicker areas uh, and not have to worry so much about a big thing on my back, like a climber. Or a tree stand. That's why, that's where, to me, the yeah. saddle advantage, it, it motivates me more to go and do those things, for sure.
2: Well, I I um, actually, you reminded me too, I, I actually spent, so I did hunt public two days, like a full weekend, I think it was the last weekend before Modern Gun, um, and so I was out with my bow, I, I had a spot in um, Kentucky, southeastern Kentucky that I've been to before, that was torn up with buck sign, really hard to get to. Like I'm talking 1,500 feet of elevation climb and two miles of hiking. Like you, you can't – and it's no vehicles. It's a wilderness. So uh, I like that spot a lot. And I went back there this year thinking I would get up there and have a sanctuary again. Dude, It, you couldn't have convinced me that a deer has ever been there. Like I got up there and I couldn't find a sign. There wasn't, I couldn't find that any deer had ever graced the ground in the same spot where it had been torn up before. And I spent two hours hike or an hour, I hiked for an hour straight up, uh, getting up there. And it was so barren and so little sign that I actually walked back down the mountain and I sat in another spot for about an hour. And then I ended up, I was like, screw this, man. I've only got two days. I'm not sitting here. And just, just because I saw a deer sign here last year, I'm not seeing anything. So I actually ended up going up to another um, WMA here that's got tens of thousands of acres and uh, did a little bit of scouting for the next day and decided, I was like, I've never been up on this. I mean, I grew up here and I've never been up on this spot uh, to really scout it like this, but I'm just going to come in cold the next day and, and see what happens. so I did. And I scouted, like you said, from a map just to figure out where I could, like, which point am I going to start at? Came in in the dark, set up, and I'm like, I can smell a deer. And, and I was convinced. Like, I'm like, I don't think it's me because sometimes I'll do that to myself, yeah. too. Uh, I forget that I got deer pee all over me. And uh, it was raining and it was just nasty weather. And finally, I, I, uh, I was like, I got to get aggressive because I've only got so many hours today. So I got up and started walking. And as soon as I turned uh, up the ridge, there was a, a buck or, or like a row of um, scrapes or uh, uh, rubs on these trees. And I'm like, I, I walk up and there's a fresh bed that was 15 yards behind me. Um, huh. So I, I, yeah, like the, I, I was smelling the deer. I can't say he was there when I came in, but I mean, it, it was a smelly, you know, buck bed. And I ended up following that for like probably a quarter mile of his of coming out of his bedroom and following where his rubs. Like He, he had a clear path marked where he walked every morning and I could see it. And I probably went, like I said, I was probably like 250 yards or something, 400 yards that I, I walked uh, following this clear path. And then it vanished on a logging road. Um, but then I, that, that day was cool. Cause I ended up seeing my first public land elk here in Kentucky, That's cool. um, like while hunting, you know, uh, uh, actually seeing one out in the wild doing his thing, her thing. Um, and then, so that was probably my, I think that was the only two days on public this year. What's funny, man, is there's always this private public debate. Um, I actually, especially in archery season, that, that was a way less pressured hunt than where I hunt gun. I mean, opening morning, I usually hear about a hundred gunshots before 8. AM. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's that thick and it's people knocking down does. I mean, we've got almost un, I pretty, it's pretty much unlimited doe tags where I am. Um, and it's very pressured and, uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's it kind of like counterintuitive to that whole argument. Um, but like you said, there's, there's tree stands everywhere on the property lines. They're everywhere. I can see other hunters coming out to their stands, uh, when, when I hunt out there. So, and the property I hunt on is, hunted by like 10 other people. So you like, you don't know where they're going and what they're tromping through. So it makes it like a difficult place to hunt. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, so the, to speed that story up, I guess a little bit of the deer itself, um, in the saddle, 12, 12 hour hunt, second day of a modern gun. And, um, just like clockwork, it got to be like, I really, I realized that like four o'clock on the nose, these deer, they would be, they would start getting active in the afternoon but then four o'clock on the nose, there was always deer. Like that's, I would see them or smell them. Like right then, I, one day I, I was convinced uh, that I was like fooling myself because I was smelling it so thick, but it's like, oh, there's a deer like coming right, <laughs> right into you, you know? Um, but, but that four o'clock on the nose, they would start moving. So four o'clock this day, I start seeing what I think is a groundhog. Um, but I'm not used, I've, it turned out I wasn't used to hunting this, this angle on this property. It's funny when you like move your stand or you yep. go to a different spot and like, you don't realize the contours as well as you nope. think you do. And so I thought I was seeing a groundhog for like 10 minutes. It turned out to be the back of a doe. And so I I was like, well, I'm going to shoot her. But she's right now, it would be a pass through to the neighbor's property. She's heading my way. And I'm going to wait and see if a buck comes in. Because the wind was pulling favorable to where I told you I've seen those other bucks coming out. And I'm like, it might pull a buck out of that area. Mm-hmm. So that was like 15 minutes of shooting light left. And I'm like, I'll, I'll give it until like the last two minutes, right? I'm gonna pop her. She was at like I don't know 120 yards or something, um, and she was heading my way pretty pretty decent little pace. Um, so sure enough, dude, with like five minutes left, a buck came out of like the, the setup I wanted. Does are in the field, which I had scouted and figured out, or like figured out through actively hunting while or scouting while hunting. Bucks are this buck came out right where I've seen the bucks coming out, and I was in the perfect position, perfect wind. He comes out, and I got – it was a big-bodied deer. I mean, he was over 200 pounds all day long. And he comes out in that full, like, majestic, swollen-up uh-huh. rut, strut. And he's stomping, and he is just like – he sees her. She hasn't seen him yet. And I kind of panicked a little bit. I've never panicked like this on a deer. And I don't know if it was like pressuring myself because last year I totally screwed up my Kentucky buck tag by tagging out too early on accident. Um, (laughs) I shot shot at what I thought was a doe at 115 yards and it turned out to be the tiniest of bucks. And it was just big enough to count all by Kentucky standards. I I nicknamed him toothpicks because that's what he had laying against the top of his head. So his ears (laughs) were up. I never saw the antlers. Um, so I think a little bit of pressure from that was was hitting me, but the um, this deer looked even bigger than what I ended up, you know, that always looked bigger from the stand than when, when you get up on him. But um, he comes out and I'm like, I kind of fall apart, you know, the adrenaline hits me and I'm in the, the saddle. And you're got your guys will think this is cool or, or like hearing a right. A lot of I think a lot of people are just now getting into rifle hunting from a saddle. Yeah. A lot of people have talked about with a bow, but I had um. A bow hanger, and I, I had like had a glove on it. So my, my gun is like, I had put that bow hanger there on the tree just right to be able to hold my gun on it. And so I get him in, and I'm like so jacked up about it. I almost pulled the trigger with that. Like it just happened. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what are you doing, dude? Like he calm down. I start trying to breathe and pace myself. And he's coming in, but I also knew the second that that doe saw him, I knew she was going to bolt because she was super twitchy. I actually knew he was coming before I heard or saw him because she started getting real weird. I knew a deer was coming rather. I didn't know it was going to be a nice buck like this. And so finally, he gets in a clear shot. I bleed at him a couple times. He stops, and I pull the trigger, and nothing happens. Like (laughs) he just he looks up, and I'm like. Okay, is that is he gonna go down? Like I, I was so confident that I I or like I felt like I had hit him, but nothing happened. So I racked again and uh quickly shot before he could bolt and he ran over the contour of the hill and um was gone. And so I'm I'm like I start texting uh I got some guys from Go Wild that I've met through there, the O2 podcast guys yep. that I've been texting. <laughs> yeah, Andrew and Paul are awesome. I, I my hands like went you know, start jittering uh, from the adrenaline. Plus it was cold and I'm like bucked down. And I think I even may have even just sent the buck emoji because my hands were so cold and I was freaking out. Um, and they're like, you got hands on him yet? And I'm like, no. And I'm honestly not even sure if he's dead. Uh, I think i was starting <laughs> to panic because some, some of my buddies had had um, bad experiences this year w- with uh, wounded deer. And I think that was starting to get in my head, dude. I was a wreck. So I just like stood there for a few minutes, just trying to gather myself. And it was getting dark, and I'm like, I'm gonna or it was dark at that point because I shot him with like a couple minutes of shooting light left. So came down, got hands on the deer. He he died 20 yards away, um, over the hill. I couldn't see him from the the climber, but um yeah, man, he ended up being a nice eleven point. I don't know if he's my biggest. I honestly don't care. I don't measure deer. That's not how I operate really. Um, I have no idea what he is. I don't think he's trophy standards by like you know a lot of people's inch counts but i don't care because that was a really good deer for me it was the most majestic i've ever seen a deer like the most traditional white tail buck that you can imagine like that's what you want to see them as that swollen up neck, stomping he knows he was a bad mofo too he had ears torn he had uh big four inch gashes on his back where he had been fighting um just the the coolest buck i mean dude, I, you know
1: it's a nice deer it's a like when you're saying he's not trophy standards, people are probably imagining something else. Uh he's a <laughs> yeah, he's a I mean, tank of a buck. It's a good buck. Uh really nice deer. Oh, he's a he's a
2: he's a hoscat. Now, he was so big. Uh, and I, in fact I got made fun of on TikTok. Uh, we were talking about hunters cutting each other down. I, I um I was given my tip of uh how to get a deer in a truck by yourself and people were like, well, Why don't you just throw that two hundred pound deer up there by yourself? And I'm like because i'm a wuss i guess i don't know but i like to like sometimes i'll tie um if it's a truck you can you know in the corner of the bed tie the head up once you get the head up and then it makes it easier you're not breaking your back people made so much half of them made so much fun of me that i had to like tie a deer up to get it up (laughs) into the truck and i'm like i don't know what to tell you man i guess i'm just not as man as some of you guys uh but the dude he was so big um even getting him onto the cart i have an suv and i have a cart that i get him onto and i mean he was a fat hoss like a massive deer he's probably i still don't know if he's as fat as that 2020 deer i shot um but both of them were just beefy 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 by kentucky standards and then he had a great rack on him too he would have been a 12 but he had an eye guard he had two little eye guards that were starting to form and one of them was broken off which i just think is so cool when you get one that's got broken antlers i mean Uh think of the stories of, of these things um No, he's a good deer. I didn't mean to like, uh, I never want to like apologize for him. I just on podcasts and stuff. I don't want to give the picture that I shot a 200 inch whitetail or something, but, um, you know, I think for, for me, I'm going to hang him up somewhere and be proud of him every day. I think that's part of the coolest thing that, um, you know, the, the, the memories that the trophies become is more of like, it's not as much about, like, look at this big deer I shot. Like, I, my wife was even, you know, she's not a hunter. She's, I, I've got that little dinky thing I shot last year saved, and I've been cleaning <laughs> that skull. And, and she's like, why are you keeping that? And I said, because it teaches me that patience is a virtue. Like, yeah. seeing that deer all the time, I'm going to remember that uh, in future seasons and remember you know, hey, shooting a doe at 100 yards when you haven't cashed out your buck tag ain't smart. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Um, but also appreciating him. You know, I don't want to reduce him down to just a lesson. We ate that deer and we're still eating some of them, uh, you know, and, and he fed our families too. So, um, but yeah, I it was a good season for whitetail. It was shorter than, I mean, I wish I'd gotten more hunts in, but I, I got some variety, got some public land in, got my first saddle experience uh, and, and it ended up getting, I don't know, probably at least he's at least one of my top two. Um, I shot an 11 point, a 10 or 11 out there. I say, I don't even remember. Uh, I actually, I had Parker before the show. I had to look up and see what this year's buck was. Cause I couldn't remember what he was. That's how little <laughs> I care about the antlers. But I shot a 10 or 11 out there in 2017. Um, that was a young buck, but he would have been a freak of a deer the next year. Real, a lot of mass on him and he might've been bigger, but again, I don't know, man, I don't measure him. I only measure, I measure the width cause the state requires me to. That's yeah. it.
1: Yeah. Well, I always look at every hunting experience or story or something like this, and I'm I'm trying to like you mentioned a couple things in there that I think are at least good to 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 note. Um, this year's been really weird where I'm at because there's been hardly any acorns on the ground, and you mentioned that on that property, uh, one side of the property just didn't drop as many.
2: Didn't drop at all. Uh,
1: Yeah, Uh, it it had no acorns. And I think it's really important for people to realize how important that is for your deer movement. Now, last year, we had a ton. Like, there were acorns everywhere. And it made the early season incredibly difficult. Like, you couldn't, just because they were, the bucks had food pretty much in every spot that they could possibly imagine. Yeah. And so they weren't getting up in daylight and moving. Now I was finding a lot of does, which was great. Uh, I shot some of them, but also I note those areas like, okay, this area, this area, and this area has a bunch of does coming into these acorns during the rut. It's going to be really good because they're not having to search for acorns a whole lot of places. They're probably going to be there. And I tagged out in the quick with my three bucks in Alabama last year. Once the rut hit, those bucks were finding the does. The does were in the same areas because there were still acorns there. I tagged out quick this year. I was all excited, man. Just absolutely fired up because we didn't have very many acorns. And I was like, okay, now I can go to the places I can pinpoint the places where I do have them. And yeah, that's going to be hot early season during the rut, whatever. Well, it was just not enough. There's, there's, there's hardly any acorns on the ground. Um, if any at all right now. I mean, if you find them, you're pretty dang lucky. Early season I got a few good hunts in um over hot feed trees, but the rut's been like just rough. My theory is is that they're moved they're they're finding where that high protein, high fat diet is, which is going to be on the, a lot of the private land. And so looking at your two stories, your public land spot that you went to this year was dried up hardly anything that probably totally. had just something to do with acorns They maybe they didn't fall in the same spots that they usually do or whatever yeah um but your private land you said it kind of felt like they were moving through the field moving through the property different they were actually coming out into the field in daylight which and not moving through the trees nearly as much is that kind of what you you had said like they yeah, weren't really so, in the woods
2: yeah so this this property is shaped um very long you know, it's, it's 70 acres, but it goes back. I'll, I'll usually walk almost a mile to get to the back of it. So imagine a really long, thin property. It's not very wide, uh, but it banks. I can't see from one corner. I can't see the other. It rolls, uh, right? Um, this is Kentucky. So imagine you're rolling horse farms. That's kind of what I'm hunting. Um, and so this one part of it, I've kind of joked, is an interstate exchange. There's so many deer come through there normally. that I mean, last year I sat back there and I passed on – even eight points coming through this, this highway, um, in archery season, uh, which yes, I do, uh, very much regret that now looking back at what I ended up with last season. it's kind of funny, uh, the deer <laughs> I passed on and what I ended up with. Um, but I had great eight points coming through a lot of young deer and, and some of the biggest deer I've ever seen. I think, um, one of, one of my newer guys that I was hunting with, um, this year, I took him out to this property and he kind of commented and he said, some of you guys, you almost get at a disadvantage because you know what's happened in years past and it, it gets to the point to where you're like, Oh, the deer don't utilize that part of the property. And he didn't even know that what I'm telling you now, he was just making an observation from having hunted with a couple of us at pr- properties we hunt a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I think that that's totally what happened to me this year. When I started off the first couple days I was, I was anchored in and actually my opening day of gun season, I was over there uh, first day because I usually, With all the gunshot noise, they'll kind of, hung. you know, by midday, they're trying to avoid open areas. They're trying to, they're, they're really traveling through the thick stuff or so I've, I've experienced. Yeah. And, uh, they didn't, they didn't do that at all this year. I I didn't see, I don't even remember. I don't think I saw any deer really until the end of the night and they were little. Um, and then I ended up moving a hundred yards or 200 yards up the next day and hunted a different corner and I saw a lot more action, but no, no bucks that I wanted to take until my walkout that's when I saw one of the big bucks Um, and actually I got him in my sights and right before I pulled the trigger he bolted on my walkout I was doing my thing while I was walking out a little bit early Uh um, to see where they were but I think like if I were to give one lesson out of all this um, the the saddle like it's so funny because I talked to some of you guys for two years about saddles before I bought one and you know I really got into it this year uh, the idea of like no I need to be more mobile I need to be more mobile and I think at the risk of like screwing up, being mobile, like getting mobile, even at the risk of busting deer, like those walkouts sound really stupid. But that's actually why I started to realize if I had waited until dark, I might not have put together what I put together. Right, like the, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I think Braden has told me uh, he's he's become a big fan of getting busted. You know, busted. <laughs> Braden's on my team, uh, but you know he he. he He's talked to Zach Farinbaugh and listened to Zach's podcast a bunch. And Zach talks about that. Of If you're not busting deer, you're probably not getting aggressive enough. I can't think of like so many seasons in the past. I would have set in those three or four tree stands that are out there and I would have grinded it out because that's what I, options I have. Or I would have maybe moved my climber, but the climber just is still restricting you to what kind of trees you can move up into. <laughs> and, you know, they really are so much noisier. It's just a, a way different system. So getting mobile and just going to spots even even over a span of 8 to 10 hunts out there moving 200 300 yards at a time over those different hunts got me moved you know a quarter mile and that little bit of a distance was the to- like we're talking the difference in seeing a dozen deer a day versus none yeah. or, or one at the end of the day you know it was yeah. that different in and how much activity there was again rolling bank but that it, it's probably between three and 400 yards from where I started on the property from where I ended up shooting that deer. And then when I went back the next day with, with Dan, I said, no, man, this is the game plan that the deer are following. And they did exactly what I told him they would do. Now we didn't have a buck come out, but the four o'clock, the does started moving. They came right out into that field and started grazing. We had multiple does out in the field. And you know, I got lucky and had a buck that came in and caught that wind and came in on it. Um, that game plan didn't work for him, but it, it still put us in the greatest chance of success. Right. And so, I think, again, I said I was going to give the short end end to that and I kind of rambled, but I think again, just getting mobile and seeing where they are and at the risk of even screwing up a couple hunts really gave me a lot more data, you know, anecdotal data to kind of put the story together of what's happening.
1: Hey guys, as most of you know, censorship for hunters and anglers is completely out of control. So we've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat the mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women just like you. Go Wild is a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're actually encouraged on Go Wild. They give you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting other friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too, like gift cards, free stuff like knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. And if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Visit GoWild.com to get started. Six Day Grind Coffee Co. is made for people like you, the ones out there grinding to reach your goals every single day. Whether it's 3 a.m. wake up calls to get into the woods or just getting through your work day, a good cup of high quality coffee to start your day is imperative. When you buy from Six Day Grind, you not only get a great bag of premium roasted coffee, you also have the opportunity to support conservation through their Coffee For Your Cause program or 10% of your purchase goes to the conservation organization of your choice. Check out 6daygrindcoffeeco.com today. That's the word 6 followed by daygrindcoffeeco.com. One of the one of the co-hosts on the show today we were in a group text chat with our buddy Walter and uh, he said you got to be willing to burn it to learn it. Right? Yeah, so so I love that. Be willing to burn the spot I've done it a lot, man. I've burned the spot for that day, you know, but I learned, okay, uh, here's how I can approach this differently. I mean, Andy May talks about that all the time. He's pretty effective, I would say, compared, uh, I mean, when you you look at a a group of top deer hunters in the United States, he's definitely on that list. And one of the things he talked about is early on, he really pushed the boundaries to see how much he could get away with. And so he was, was the deer come back too. Exactly.
2: They come back though. They people, you might burn it for 48 hours, 72 hours, but the the deer I was chasing last year, dude, I had, this is where I got a little torn up last year. I got too focused on a big buck that I'd seen out there. I saw him three or four times and actually the night before um, I shot toothpicks, I saw him and had him in my sights, but it was, um, I was kind of huffing and puffing. It was last five minutes of shooting light. I was doing my thing where I walk out to see if there's anything on the field. And I, I I pulled up on him and I was just I didn't feel comfortable with the shot at 70 yards. It would have been a neck shot. I didn't have a body uh, shot on him, and I didn't take that deer. But I saw him the next morning, so he had an inter- he saw me because I was walking. He was looking at me when I had him in my sights. I didn't shoot him. I saw him the next morning at 8 a.m. and I passed on him by accident. I was such an idiot. I uh, I thought he was at eight point because he came out and he had his head tilted towards me. It was weird the way he came out. And I didn't realize it was him until he got to where he walked about 15 yards, kind of twitching his head like that. When he finally came up, I realized it was him, but he had walked far enough to where it was now. I couldn't shoot ethically because it would have been a pass over into the neighbor's property. And so I watched him go over the hill and I heard a shot and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm an idiot. I'm such a, I knew that guy was over there, too, waiting on a, a deer. Well, it ended up not I, I saw them drive the truck in. I saw them load a deer. I couldn't tell what it was that far away that deer ended up getting shot the next weekend from the same stand that I was in. So he had multiple human interactions on that same property right there. And that's just, that was, he must've been betting close to there because he ended up getting killed in the exact same spot the next weekend. And so, you know, all that pressure that he was facing right there and he still didn't leave. I think like, I don't know, we, we almost anthropomorphize these animals to the point to where we're like, we, we think they're, scared and like we start to put human emotions onto them and we think they're going to do things that you know i don't know we, we get disney movie'd on them, like we, we kind of make fun of people for doing that but then we end up doing that thinking uh-huh. that the deer like they're going to come back to routine like that's what i've just seen um through through years of hunting on this property is that no matter really at the end of the day you know the, and i know i know somebody that wounded a deer this year and that deer was back on trail camera within a week you know yeah. same camera where it got wounded where it got shot it got shot and wounded and was back on camera in a week. Like, they definitely, it takes a lot to bust them out for the season.
1: Yeah. 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 And I think a lot of it has to be consistency. Like, um, if they're consistently every, you know, other day getting bumped out of that bed, they're probably at some point going to move on. You know, they're not going to be there anymore. Yeah. And obviously, if they get shot, oh, right. Well, then they're not going to be yeah. there anymore. So there are some like things, but I agree with you. I mean, um, I just
2: think they, that we, 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 they might avoid that 20 yard area, but they're still living there. some in some degree, Bill, Bill with uh Spartan forge, I've talked to Bill on a podcast before, and he had the data to show that these deer people would put a trail camera up. And then all of a sudden they're not moving in that 20 yard area, but they had the collar data to show they didn't even leave the bedding site. They, right. they never, like they just stopped coming through that one spot. So uh, I just, th- I think it takes a lot more than, than we kind of think to, to yeah. push them out. And again, I'm not some pro deer hunter. I, I honestly, I'm like, you definitely should listen to like a lot of other people's advice before mine. <laughs> this is more of me sharing what I think, you know, right. I'm not telling you how to hunt. Uh, everybody should hunt their hunt, but uh, this is what I've come to feel like to be relatively true.
1: So uh, I'm going to pivot just a little bit on this. Um, yeah, heck of a buck, dude. That was a really nice buck. Thanks. Um, So we've talked a little bit about what go wild is, what it stands for. A lot of people at this point um, have probably even if they didn't know about it before if they're if they've made it this far in the podcast they realized that go wild is a social media um, platform geared for outdoorsmen right so um, and women will be all inclusive here um, fishing hunting hiking camping cooking um, there's so many different trails within go wild um, but I'm interested to know have you guys seen, Um, Just kind of as culture, culture kind of pushes hunting out. um, Have you guys seen like a a, a pretty tremendous growth here in the past couple of years? Um, Since there's been some real, there's been some real things like real threats, demonetization, um, all that kind of stuff coming from the main platforms. I'm interested to know if you guys have seen an uptick there
2: yeah i mean we're at all-time highs we had our all-time high this year um in terms of of people acting on the platform uh i don't ever like release numbers like that uh just for competitive purposes but i mean you're you're on a platform that's used by hundreds of thousands of people you know and i say used like it's not i don't mean like oh um you know total downloads ever um you know you're there's real I mean, look at that deer. I don't have it up in front of me because I'm talking to you on my phone, but uh, that trophy, if you've got it still pulled up, um, it had, like I think, 100 comments on that post. Now, some of those are me thanking people, but it got to a point where I couldn't even respond to them all. It's got like 400 likes on it. And if you think like, well, Brad's the CEO, of course he gets that kind of traction. Go look up Mike Larson. Go look at the hunting public. Go look at like some of the people that uh, are on the platform that have been using it for a while and see what they're getting. Like The platform has... Um, real, real. I mean, the the uh, working blo- blo- uh, hunter guys just joined us. You know, uh, yeah, working um, class. I just, uh, yeah, it sorry, uh, It's late. It's like four o'clock, and my brain's not firing on all all cylinders. And I'm a morning guy. Um, they just joined, and I think a lot of a, a big known group like that. Even though they're getting less than they might have gotten on the Instagram account they've had since 2012 uh, or something you know, they're still seeing the value and getting engagement on there that they find valuable. Right. And so, um, the, there are people there, I think, uh, to your question of like, are people seeing more value, uh, because of some of the things that are going on? Yeah, man. I mean, like TikTok every day, I, I'm actually on my, uh, I'm waiting on my third strike on TikTok, and I'm going to be kicked off the platform. Right. <laughs> um, you know, the, the i have two account warnings on there because i posted uh one was a trophy picture of braden with his deer i posted a video and i didn't realize our editor had put a trophy photo in there and same thing with a bear video um i uploaded the photo of uh, derek talking about his bear from colorado and there was a picture of him holding a dead bear and i got two strikes against me and you know that kind of stuff like all the time gets people ticked off and they started telling people about go out where, Hey, like, not only are you not going to get censored when I post my animals on here or log my time, I get points. And now all of a sudden I'm saving real dollars on this product that I wanted to buy. Um, or, Hey, I got $10 just for joining the platform. Um, I think all of that kind of compounds to be, you know, and I've, from the beginning I never wanted to just be a safe space. I never thought that was going to be enough for us to survive as a business, You have to have something that's different and you know the um if you want to learn about fly fishing in your state or you want to learn about trapping in your state there's just nowhere better to do it than our platform i think that's what we've done really well and i think people continue to recognize that like I don't, I don't really care if you come back every day. I want to be the place, though, that you know and trust that when you want to know how a product performs, when you want to learn how to do something, you turn to go out. Um, that's where we've seen people really realize and start to, like, the word of mouth has been around that, of the community. And you, I think you started off the show. It's like people just, you know, we have a, no tolerance for trash and other hunters. Um, you know, there's probably a couple people uh, every couple weeks get deleted for saying something stupid. But, like, the community polices itself pretty well. Yeah, Um, you know, it's, it's just a special thing, man.
1: Mm -hmm. Now we're going to circle back around because we, we wanted to talk about this, but you're talking about people coming to go wild when they got a question, if they're trying to learn how to do this, they need a recipe, blah, blah, blah. Um, anything outdoor space related, they got a question about it. Yeah. You can come in here, write a question on, on a post and cool, but there's also an all knowing being, um, or not being uh that is coming soon or i think i I think already available because i saw it on somebody else's post
2: he's kind of there he's there
1: he's kind of just making himself known so is this something that you can talk about like fully
2: yeah i'll talk about it okay yeah uh well so i'll I'll, I'll kind of allude to some things um so they um there's new technologies out there for artificial intelligence and they've this technology has come a long ways and it's actually, I mean, you can read about this in the news there. Google is starting to kind of freak out that their lunch is going to get eaten by this kind of technology. Yeah. And so, um, there's, there's several different models out there that you can use. I'll try not to nerd out too much here. Um, and I'm, I don't fully understand it either, uh, of, of the tech side of it, but I've used it a lot within our platform. What we've basically done is take some technology that was developed Um, I mean, it's Silicon Valley product, right? It's, it's typical tech stuff, right? These are, these are um, it's, it's powered. Actually, Elon Musk was uh, the founder of one of these big companies that's catching on. And, and that was five or six years ago. He's not involved anymore, but I mean that I'm just giving that context of like, this is, these are tech behemoths that are building out these AI uh, programs and they've made it so conversational and accessible that other companies can start to use this technology and build chatbots. And, we are testing right now um a a version of this that is will eventually be different than what it is today right now if you post and uh, on go out you can tap ask a question when you post and the algorithm will go out and set it'll find people that uh, it thinks can help answer your question and it does that based on knowing what you're interested in and how skilled you are and whatnot and that's always done a pretty good job like i i told i i think before we started this show like or maybe that was on the show. I don't remember. Uh, but I, I started evening hunting and, uh, for turkeys this year and I, I learned, you know, how to set up for that through asking questions on go out. Well, sometimes though, a question is so nuanced that our audience, you know, maybe they just don't get traction on it. Right. We're still a social platform. Sometimes, sometimes you get 50 responses on something. Sometimes you get none. And so we've always wanted to do a better job at helping everybody get at least some start on an answer. So we built a chat bot, that when you post and ask a question, he will give you an answer. And it's automatic. It comes within 30 seconds. You have an answer on your post. And he is both scary good and insanely stupid uh, in his replies sometimes. And we're working on that. But in testing, you know, I I posted on – we have like a development version of Go Out that you can't see. That's where we test stuff. And uh, I posted, um, hey, new to hunting, uh, where can I – find public land in kentucky this thing gave me a list of the top 10 wmas to to check out and then i replied and said where can i find more information he sent me the website to kentucky fish and wildlife and you can ask him for the phone number he'll give you the phone number i've seen people asking about um in in, in the real app of uh, people asking uh, one guy was really specific he's like I don't know how to get uh 60 sixty pound limbs for my obsession bow, and anyway, I can't remember what bow model it was. Uh, does anybody have any advice? And he's like, "Yeah, here uh, to get you're gonna have to do a custom order for that. Here's the the customer service phone number." And it's like, "Oh my god, that's amazing, right? Like that kind of stuff is awesome." Uh, I did mention it's a Silicon Valley product. I mean, transparently, there were there's been a few times where, um, he he said something to the effect of like somebody asked something about hunting and he's like i don't approve of hunting and we're like okay you can't say that squatch bot because again (laughs) it's not something like we're taking technology that was developed by silicon valley and using their their tech and putting it into us so uh what what we do to fix that there's a process called training where you tell him what is good answer and what is bad answer so we've now told him like no you actually you're a Sasquatch and you do like hunting. And so he's getting better over time. Like now he's usually like hunting's a great way to get exercise and experience the outdoors and <laughs> and that kind of stuff, but uh right now it's mostly fun. And some of our hardcore members like Adam Smith and Mike Larson I've seen kind of asking questions of this guy. Uh they're having a lot of fun with him. And and he is fun. I mean like my kids actually uh for for a full week when we launched this thing, we're like, "Hey, can you ask Sasquatch this?" Uh, is Santa Claus coming? And like, you can ask him anything. It doesn't have to be hunting and fishing related, you know, so you can message him directly if you just want to mess around with this and not post on the platform. So if you look up Squatchbot, you can test it out. But the, the long-term view for this is realizing that we have a lot of questions that have been asked on the platform. And so we're in the process of teaching him all the answers that have ever been asked on the platform and and the great answers we have this is the problem i told you back with forums when i first started to go out a lot of answers die on forums right you you know they they fade away over the years and so you got to go out and ask that question again then if you're in a facebook group people might get mad at you it's like that question was just asked last week it's like well how am i supposed to know that right this this is hopefully going to be the answer to that and that he knows all the answers that have been asked and he also knows which ones got upvoted the most and more than that, he knows that if Mike Larson says something, Mike, I keep referencing Mike, he's, he's a buddy of mine on the platform that I've met through Go while, but like Mike's a really skilled hunter and angler. He knows if Mike says it, it's a good answer. Right. So that's what we're in the process of doing. Um, eventually long-term, I think this thing's going to be really cool. Uh, we've had, there's been a couple complaints and I get it. Like he, he seems like spam, but he's not. Um, I think for the <laughs> most part, everybody's having a lot of fun with him and uh, realizes that, you know, I'm not here to build another Facebook platform. Like, we get asked all the time like why aren't you guys doing facebook groups and it's like it's been done you know i'm not here to recreate something i'm here to do something different and, uh you know make some waves and you know uh build something hopefully that makes this more accessible to all of us and i think SquatchBot's going to do that over time
1: that's uh you're correct when you say it's like kind of scary um yeah it's
2: a little weird it, it i is... asked
1: him if he was t- i asked him i said are you gonna uh
2: try to be uh, the CEO of GoWild one day. And he's like, ha, ha, ha. I don't think I, or he said, I think I would be a great leader one day, but I'm just an artificial chat bot. And I'm like, uh, that you kind of said two different things there, buddy. (laughs) It's like, you
1: know, but maybe one day you're telling me there's a chance. Right. Um, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, you sent me that the other day and I just went through asking it random questions. Um, that's insane, dude. That's really cool. It reminds me, I think I responded to you, to your text. It reminds me of, uh, when I was a little kid, and Ask Jeeves was a deal. Yeah. On our like. Yeah, we've been computers. joking. We, yeah, we've been joking that this is like Ask Jethro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is, and it's uh, it's kind of funny, um, because now here we are, grown adults, and we're still just like amazed by the exact same thing. Like, let's ask it. You know, all these stupid oh, questions.
2: You wouldn't believe the amount of people that start off and say, "Where can I hide a dead body?" I'm like, there's enough of people asking this that there's something dark and like it's a part
1: of human nature that that's just what they want to know. Like, how do I get rid of the evidence? (laughs) Oh man, old sas squatch box, right?
2: Squatch bot, squatch bot, yeah. Squat,
1: squat, squatch bot. That is a mouthful. Yeah. Um, that's awesome, dude. Any any other cool things coming up with Go Wild that uh, that people need to know about? And then I want to kind of get into this uh bear hunt
2: yeah uh so with go out real quick um we just launched on android and ios the ability to um dive into a pursuit and so if you tap your home screen and that little tray pops up you'll see uh we've started with whitetail turkey and bass fishing and so when you tap that this is the grand aggregation of all things that represent what we do really well right so you have All of our blogs, our articles that were written by, uh, you know, Bo Martonic writes for us sometimes or Eric Clark with Where to Hunt uh, or with uh, OKS Hunter, you know, those guys will write content for us. So that lives there by pursuit. It pulls in questions from other people on the platform. So, you know, you can scroll through and see what other people are talking about around whitetail or turkey or bass fishing. You can see trending trophies. That's a request we've always gotten. It's like, I just want to see trophies on deer, right? And so now you can do that. You can go through and see the trending gear. You can see all the gear that's just there. You can see setups. It's really <coughs> this awesome culmination of everything. Uh, th- this will eventually, I think, kind of become trails. They have to be a different thing for a while until we get enough mm-hmm. uh, pursuits done. To like right now, it's just three topics because right the cha- one of the biggest challenges right now is just getting enough gear you know, whitetail turkey and bass fishing are really what we have the most gear for. Um, fishing will get better in, in early next year. And then, you know, elk hunting, hound hunting, um, you know, we've, we've, uh, waterfowl and and some, those are some of the ones that will be coming in soon. But the pursuits is a really cool feature, man. I mean, everybody that's seen that it's like, this is everything I love in one place. Right. Like, I don't, I mean, it's an even more concentrated version of go out than what's ever existed before. And I think it, um, I think it's going to be really popular. It also resets every time you pull that up. It should be pulling in new content too, so uh, it's a pretty cool thing. That'll be on web soon too. But yeah, that's kind of the big thing that we just launched. Um, we'll continue to build on. Um, next year, a, a lot of our focus right now is just getting in better gear, um, more brands. Not better gear. More. We have great gear. We have. I need more of it though. Like just getting volume in the store. And then um, you know we've got a few other tech innovations that we'll be working on. Um, throughout next year too but uh, a lot of it is going to be just focused on making the shop really you know I want to be able to um, you know when it comes to competing with Bass Pro or Amazon I want you to have as many options or more and we're already doing that in a lot of categories like saddle hunting is one of them we have more options than anybody you know mm-hmm. you're going to find more saddle hunting brands on Go Wild than any other retailer online that I've found so um, we're going to continue to tackle that too but that's that's what's up
1: I'm uh as you're talking, I'm just going through and um, just looking at you know, several things that maybe you described that I didn't even realize were uh, how we're, they're supposed to be used and stuff. It's just like it, it really is kind of everything. Um, everything that you would really want, it kind of can be a, a one-stop shop. And the thing that I like about what you guys do is, um, like you said, like you have a lot of different saddle brands, and I think that's a good, uh, a good example because a lot of these saddle brands are... Not the type of stuff you're going to find in uh, like a uh, Amazon or like a, any type of reta- yeah. retail store, or box store or anything like that. Like you'll carry a lot of the stuff that maybe is a little more um, uh, specialized or custom type stuff. Uh, yeah. And that that's really cool to see you guys doing that. And I know there's going to be a lot more in the future.
2: Well too, like just shopping on Go Out. If you like just came into shop and you're looking at a, a mantis, right? Um, or a Phantom, and you you get onto that product page, you can actually go down and there's something a feature called setups. You can literally find other people's saddle setups and yep. see how they're using this kit. Like nobody does that, man. You can't do that on Amazon. They might have QA and reviews, but amazon was in the news the last two years because the reviews are mostly you know fake and made up like Bad. you can't really trust reviews on these made up, on these big box platforms right and you know go wild is, um you know some of those tethered products have 500 posts about that product they have 70 to hundred reviews there there's hundreds of setups like you have all the information you need to make a decision
1: right yeah sorry i am at my uh <laughs> i'm at my uh in-laws house for the holidays so i'm not in my normal podcast area and uh the phone just went off so i forgot I oh there. you're good
2: i've got kids banging on the door behind me i'm trying
1: to <laughs> ignore them that's cool dude I, I really i've been a part of go wild now for uh a while a, a minute um it's been several years and it's just kind of neat to think about how it started and where it's at now I know you guys are going to do a lot of really cool things in the future um but you know One of the good things that I find about social media has less to do with, um, less to do with like maybe the functionality of it or some of the stuff we've talked about. A lot of it, like most of my best friends now are people that I've met through a social media (laughs) platform or a group or an online forum or something like that. Like, I'm talking about guys that are the first people that I text message whenever I kill a deer. Like, it's going to a group. Uh, that of uh, people who don't even live in the same state as me so you know i'm interested to know if you have any stories of like that kind of stuff that has come come from go wild uh just kind of as it's grown and more people are using it do you want to know more about saddle hunting well you can go to tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting needs tethered is for saddle hunters by saddle hunters and they're redefining ultralight hunting If you know me, you know that I love to have a system for all of my hunting equipment. where Everything works together, and we preach about it a lot on this podcast. When you buy from Tethered, you can rest easy knowing that all your gear is designed to work together as a system. Saddles, platforms, ropes, climbing sticks, and a ton of other great gear just for saddle hunting can be found by visiting TetheredNation.com today. That's TetheredNation.com. Check them out.
2: Yeah, so um, when I when I say like I'm using the platform, I am living that. It's not me just saying it because it's promotional. Um, this year is probably the greatest example of that. Uh, well, there's a couple. Like the guy I keep mentioning, Mike. I, I mention Mike all the time because I met Mike on Go Wild one day. I was ha- I was still shipping our own stickers. Uh, we were a team of probably six or seven or eight, and he bought a sticker and I was shipping it to him. And I realized it was close to a place that I visit every year. And I, I said, Hey man, let's get lunch. And lunch turned into fishing. It's turned into hunting together. And you know, now Mike comes down to see us sometimes here in Louisville. He was at Send It Slam, our outdoor festival um, that we did this year for the first time. And it'll be back for next year too. Like become a really good friend of mine. Um, Derek, who works for us now, <laughs> Derek started as a Go Out member in 2017. And he's, a, he's the guy that I'm getting ready to tell you about on this bear hunt. He was there with me by my side and it all started because he was a member on the platform got to he just happened to live in louisville he's heard about it on youtube or something and um because he doesn't even have any other social this is his only social account and you know and he's younger than i am it's kind of funny um but then i've met uh you know i've met people that i've hunted with in texas i've met wild game chefs i've met you uh the the cool one of the coolest experiences came a couple weeks ago 10, 10 days or so ago uh, I met these these houndsman guys these houndsman guys started flocking to go out and they take a lot of flack um not deservedly so on social media right a lot of people misunderstand hound hunting and you know I I actually didn't have any qualms about what they do but I will say I misunderstood it I didn't realize how hard it is um I knew I was like oh yeah these guys train all year and the dogs do a lot of work and it, you know coon hunting bear hunting yada yada I like thought it was cool sounding but like just didn't know a lot about it. So I got the chance this year to go. Um I well, I met Chris and, and Heath uh through Houndsman XP. Those guys heard about the platform, started using it, started uh pushing us to do a Houndsman trail. And so we did that. And then it was like, hey, you guys should have uh, you know, your bear trophies requires you to kill them. We don't always kill them. In fact, most times we don't. You should give us the treat and freed. So we did that. And then started building a relationship with these guys. Thought they were cool. I want to. Chris was like, I want to
1: stop you real quick because, sorry, uh, I'm yeah, I'm I'm using my host my host abilities, and I'm going to interrupt you. (laughs) Uh, So Houndsman XP the podcast is a part of the same network that I'm on, Sportsman's Empire Network. Yeah. And uh, and so I get on you know Zoom calls with those guys, uh, and I know the statistics. A lot of the statistics. um, Listen. They have got a stupid following, like a yeah, huge it's, it's following of people. And I would have never even like never Dude, even realized neither. it. But they're like so niche that like There's, that's where everybody goes to.
2: It's wild. And they're the best in the game. Uh Heath Hyatt is probably the smartest dog guy I've ever talked to in my life. And, and Chris is very knowledgeable, too. But Chris would tell you Heath's the trainer. You know, he brought Keith on to do the show because he's so good at it. Um, but dude, I had no idea. So these guys invite me onto the show and I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. This is like, I've, I've done hundreds of these, right. I didn't think about it. That show popped. The only thing I've ever compared to, uh, in terms of driving true downloads was the hunting public when I was on the hunting public. Yeah. Um, those, those guys, the, the hounds guys just have a crazy loyal following. And then I went back on with Heath, uh, cause Heath wanted to talk and I'm like, cool. So, uh, has got his own segment segment on Houndsman XP. We did that. And then, um, you know, we started we we started to appreciate the hounds guys how much they loved go the, their listeners. They loved Go Wild because uh, it was a place where they could talk about what they do, and it was understood at a deeper level. Than I mean, these guys post on Facebook, and people are like that poor bear, blah
0: blah blah. Like yeah. th- those yeah. guys
2: will even sometimes take a beating from other you know douchebag hunters um, that that pile it on, and it's the same guys that you know, uh, pile onto the crossbow hunters or whatnot, or guys that make fun of a, a dude that, uh, can't put a 200 pound deer in a truck by himself, um, <laughs> uh, without a rope, yeah. um, you know, but the, so, so these guys start to take little refuge in here and we start, you know, talking to them, we're going to work with houndsman NXP XP again. So Chris was like, man, yeah, you know, if we're going to work together for a year, we should, we should really get you guys over to, um, and I'm kind of skipping over some stuff. He came in and did a podcast with us. We we've, we've known Chris for a bit, but he's like, you guys should really come experience what we do. Cause I don't think you really get it. And, and he didn't mean that in an offensive way. He just was, you know, you really need to be here to see it cause he knew I'd never done it before. And and especially the kind of questions I would ask him. So I got invited. Uh, well I say uh, me, our team got invited to send a couple people down with them to bear hunt in Virginia. And, um, you know, black bear has been one of, since I started getting into this industry and, and hunting, uh, but way back when I listened to Cody Rich's podcast, uh, the Rich Adore show, um, Cody got me into this idea. I, I've wanted to do black bear and he's the same reason I really want to do an elk. I haven't done an elk yet. And I'm, I'm going to get after that in the next couple of years too. Um, but, uh, Cody got me into this idea of black bear and I was like, well, this is really different than how Cody, like how I came to understand like bear hunting out West, but I, this is so different that I think it'd be unlike anything I've ever done. And I told, like I can tell my wife, I said, this is really like a, I don't want, I don't want to be dramatic and say once in a lifetime chance, but it literally, if people could pay to go with the best dog guys, there are like, I don't know what, like th- this is, this is like going with a pro angler fishing, right? Like right. who knows what you're going to learn? Cause you're with the, it's
1: the, this is the MBA of hound hunting. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you, so you got the Michael Jordan of houndsman. Yeah, with.
2: man. And, and, and like, I know that sounds stupid to some, and I'm exaggerating to some, but these guys are the best. And if they're the best in the United States, that probably means they're the best in the world. Right. And so, um, Braden probably would have gone because he loves this kind of stuff, but he, he, uh, he had kind of maxed out his travel for a couple of other different things recently. Um, but Derek, Derek went. He's like, I'm going. So, me and Derek sign up, we go down. Honestly, uh, I could make this last for an hour and a half, but I'll try to condense it down for you. The the couple things Derek and I Derek had just done a Western hunt, got a bear, so Derek knew that side of the house. We didn't know though, uh, really, what these guys go through in terms of hiking, the amount of like the terrain they were hunting in. I'm from Appalachia. I'm in Appalachia right now, and I can tell you I've never been down in the thick of rhododendron and laurel like we did on this hunt. Um, We were at elevation. This stuff had a quarter to a half of an inch of ice on it. And um, the gear, you know, you're hiking. These guys took off with dogs. I could not believe the pace we were hiking. And I'm a hiker. Like I I like hiking. I'm a runner. And I still was shocked at the pace we were moving. Um, We were probably on the Appalachian Trail hoofing it at like 17 minute miles through Laurel. And I mean, these guys are flying. And and then we would stop to find a dog, and then you're getting cold because it's 36 degrees and you're covered in water now. And we went four miles at that pace of stopping and going. Um, and we uh so the way it works for I'm guessing your audience is probably uh, not I'm some of them may have done this, but I'll just frame it up real quick. You don't usually just go in with just your group, like the good guys like this are working with maybe five or six groups in an area and it could be as wide as five miles. Right. And they could be on starting on different ridge lines, And so <clears throat> one group went in and there was four or five other groups. There's people with us hunting that I hadn't even met this morning. We're running, I think like eight dogs in my group. That, and and uh, we started getting dogs hung up below us and we were pretty sure it was a bear. And Heath was like, all right, I'm sorry, boys. We could go on a mile and a half down and meet them uh, on a, easier hike but i think they've got a bear tree and we got to go i'm sorry and we're like what are you sorry for man this is what we signed up for and he just goes i'm sorry and he just takes off through this stuff (laughs) we're off the trail and we're like that was kind of weird and then you know 400 yards later i'm like oh my god i get it because we are in the thickest stuff parker i've ever been in dude it is like imagine any like jungle war vietnam war movie you've ever seen where they're like rolling through mud and stuff that was what this was and Derek and I are Derek actually had a gun scabbard with his 3030 on his back. He got stuck. He was like a uh, buzz Lightyear trying to get under the fence on toy story <laughs> and, and like go on without me. And when we did we left him. Um, and I ended up getting to the tree and this, this is part of it was unusual because we treat a bear the first two hours, which is just really fast. Um, the, the mistake and Chris even gave Heath the little hell for this later. Um, they let me shoot this bear four miles from the truck, and they're like, "We really should have tried to run that bear out of the, out of where you did." I shot this bear, and Chris said it was the hardest pack god he's ever seen. I shot bear down at eight thirty, did not get to truck until five fifteen that night. Like it was it. insane, dude. They so they we shoot the bear, and uh, it was a two hundred pound black bear, and bear falls down, dies in a creek. Okay and uh the other thing i'll tell you if you ever go and do this kind of hunt and you do research on bear vitals like just trying to get familiar with it like i did just know it's not going to be a broadside shot and all that research is useless like <laughs> yeah. i got under this thing dude and i'm looking at it it's a black blob this this bear's wrapped around this tree i'm trying to figure out where its vitals are i gut shot him in the first shot i ended up shooting this bear four times um before he fell down and died in a creek um so total rookie mistake there. I mean, I bear died. I mean, but it was, it was, a uh, uh, it was just way different than I thought it was going to be. I was yeah. also shooting through a window, you know, that was a barely bigger than a basketball size uh, cause we're just in thick, thick stuff, man. This bears down at eight 30 and Heath goes, man, I hate it when uh, somebody gets a bear that quick on their first hunt, because now you are going to think it's easy. It was almost <laughs> like ironic foreshadowing because the next, you know, the whole day was anything but easy. We get the bear out of the creek, and these guys are like, We got to get the dogs back to the truck. We're four miles from the truck. And we're like, All right, cool. He's like, Don't worry. We're not going to leave you. We'll be back for you. I didn't see those guys until that night because they ended up accidentally getting after another bear. They treed two more bears away from us. So they're chasing dogs. Derek and I, they told us, like, Just go this direction. We've got other guys coming in from the other side. They're going to help you out and get you out of here. We, we don't have radios. We don't like, we're on cell phones only trying to call with these guys. Our onyx pens aren't syncing up with their garments for some reason. So Derek and I spent three hours moving this bear towards what they they told us. We had a mile and a half before we could get help to get the bear a mile and a half. We are in the thickest of rhododendron that I have ever seen ever. Like it is and the ground is not dirt. It's boulders covered in leaves. So I'm falling down into holes. I've still got 10 days later. My I've still got bruises on my shins where I was falling down into holes with rocks so for a while we were dragging over this stuff, and then we talked to one of the guys. He's like, "You guys got to get off of that creek bed because that stuff is so thick. You're never going to get out of there. You got to go up." And we didn't want to go up the mountain because it's a mountain, right? So finally, he's like, "You got to get up. There's a trail up there." And we're like, "Dude, there's no trail on the map." He's like, "Just trust me, get up the mountain." We start lugging up this freaking mountain, and it had rained all day the day before. It's still ice. Everything's covered in ice. This is red elevation, and we get to a point where it's so low. I'm on my knees dragging a 200 pound bear with Derek. We're soaked to the bone because right, of all the ice that's breaking on us and and uh-huh. melting inside of our coats and stuff. We got three hours into pulling this thing. I said, "Dude, how far have we gone?" Four hundred yards. Like, we I know we haven't gone that far. He looks at Onyx. He goes, "Dude, you don't even want to know." Three hours, we'd gone hundred and fifty yards.
1: <laughs> now you you weren't packing it out. Y'all were just y'all were getting the whole thing out whole.
2: So there there's the great conundrum. I wanted to pack out. Derek wanted to pack out. For some reason, these Appalachian Bear guys, they like to get the weight. Like it's kind of like their trophy metric. They're like, nah, you guys should really just drag it up there. We'll get it. Once you get up that hill, we'll get a sled and get it out of here. That hill was like almost half a mile through all this stuff. It was impossible. We finally got to a point where Derek and I was like, We, we gotta get a pack, we have to pack this thing out. So we did all that work for nothing, really. Um <laughs> we ended up butchering the animal out. But I mean, dude, by the time that was 1230. By the time we Got synced up with them and back to the bear at two thirty. It was now becoming a concern. Like, are we even going to get out of here by dark? And so we we butchered the animal up. They ended up uh they got private land access to get a four wheeler to come in at the, a top trail, um to get the meat and hide it out. And then we had to hike like almost two miles back out at the thousand feet of elevation drop um it was insane man i i hiked 11 miles that day i've never been so sore in my life and i've never been so happy to see a bush light at the end of the day uh when we got to the truck i was like i'll take whatever you got i'm just so ready to sit down
1: you did 11 and a half miles that day could you imagine had you actually had to have a full day of hunting like
2: oh like well dude so (laughs) they, they said this was the worst pack out they've ever had because normally they will try to run it to where it's at least a smarter place to take the bear. Um, but you know, man, like the, what, what people don't realize is these guys do this once a week at least with these dogs of running Mm -hmm. them in some way. I mean, people are like, Oh, I don't like hunting with hounds. It's easy. It's like, well, yeah, it's easy for me to show up and work off these guys' backs. It's kind of like if you did all the work on deer season, you stick me in your stand and I shoot the deer that, you know, comes through over three days. Right. Um, it wasn't easy for you to figure that out. Uh, it's very similar with these guys. Only I, I told Derek and I told Chris. I said, I, honestly, this is harder than deer hunting. Like now that I've seen what you guys do, and I know what I've been doing on deer hunting. Now I, I even brought you up. I said, now my buddy Parker. That's a flavor of deer hunting that's probably a lot harder than what most people do for deer hunting, and maybe that that that's comparable. What I do: park my truck and I walk maybe a mile in, and then I can drive my truck up and load a dead deer in, like that's that's literally cake compared to what we did it was the hardest freaking thing i've ever done uh we ended up with i don't know, probably pulled 60 pounds of meat off this thing um 25 pounds of fat uh that derek's going to render into bear grease um i've got the a full hide that i'm going to turn into a soft tan with the uh, structured skull in it and then i took the skull out and I, i'm i've got it all cleaned up i it's whitening in my garage right now but dude what What a time. Like, literally one of the coolest things I've ever done.
1: It's so different, man. And and we, we, it's easy to put hunting in a, like, hunting is hunting. It's its own thing, right? It's, you're a hunter or you're not. Uh, I went and did an alligator hunt this year, uh, earlier in the... That's awesome. Like, I guess it was in August, maybe. Anyway. Yeah. um, Like, we were hunting. Like, it was the same, you know, everybody get up early stay out you know late like it, it there's there's aspects of it that are similar but it's not yeah. the same dude like it was a totally yeah. different sport you're talking about like baseball and football differences right? yeah like it's, it's that's how this different was. rules it was like uh it was like fishing and hunting like deep sea fishing and hunting kind of mixed together and uh it was wild well, i even it's so much fun the
2: only reason i bring the only reason I bring up the deer hunting comparison is because I'm, I'm kind of, I, I told Chris, I said, I'll be the greatest champion for that. This is not easy. I think too many people just think the dogs go out and do the work. You shoot the thing and throw it in the truck. And it's like, yeah. even the hiking part, dude, we hiked four miles through some thick stuff. I mean, I've got pictures of Heath busting through rhododendron and stuff that was just completely frozen down slopes. Um, and even the next day when we spent most of the day in the truck, I still walked seven miles of getting out and chasing after dogs, I mean it's still work, you know. Yeah, um, such a cool experience. That I, I really I've challenged myself now. I'm like, like, yeah, alligator hunting is a great one. I need to add that to my bucket list of just things that I want to do before my legs give out. You know, of things like that are just totally. What what am I missing? It's kind of like where I, I, I if this was
1: so different than what I thought it was going to be? What else do I not know? So there's a couple. I've had a couple of them. Um, the alligator hunting, 100. percent I think everybody should do it. It. I want to go every year now. Like it was, it was a, it was a weird. Yeah. Like I might there, need the hook up on
2: that. Cause I don't
1: it, want to go. It's fun. Um, i tell you one that wasn't as fun though. And it was one that we used dogs and it was a hog hunt with a knife. Oh uh, yeah. Um, where the dogs go and catch the pig yeah. and you run up and, and stab it. And you know, I mean like there were aspects of it. I think that would be fun. Um, like, uh, tackling the pig to the ground and like doing that so that somebody can come up and stab it. Like the tackle part sounded, looked like a whole lot more fun than the actually coming up and killing the thing. Yeah. Uh, it was just a little bit savage, but, um, <laughs> it, it was, it, it was still interesting. And then you have like dog deer hunting, which is a totally yeah. different thing where dogs run deer to all the standards basically. And And I've dealt with that down here in Florida where I'm at right now um cuz it's a very popular it's a very popular way to hunt yeah. deer and most of the guys that you see I'm not and I'm, I know there's people listening to this that are going to disagree with this and I'm and I'm not saying it's everybody but on the public the national forest stuff here in Florida most of the people doing that are um in, in some way intoxicated um, everybody's sitting around on their tailgates with guns, mm. you know, uh, waiting for the deer to run them across the national yeah. forest road and they're drinking bush lights, you know, the whole time. Mm. And so it has like this, this perception, I guess, this public perception yeah. that is not very good. Um, however, like I've seen guys like the untamed, um, doing really kind of making this bear hunting, uh, popular maybe I'm, I'm sure it's already been that way but really putting some content out online about it uh, they've done a lot and I know houndsman xp of course in the pod, podcast realm are doing that and from what i've heard and seen like it looks like a pretty intense day like going and bear hunting with a with a hound it does not well, dude, look like the, you're just standing around drinking beer
2: oh you, you wouldn't be able to i yeah. mean this is a physical thing i mean um the that week they had had you know these bears don't always go up sometimes they go down into holes and then you get a really dangerous situation yeah you get a bear bear in a hole pawing at dogs they had three dogs get injured two days before i got there one one of them had like a coffee cup size hole put in it uh with the bear swiping at it and uh the bears come down when you shoot them in a tree creates another dangerous element to this that you just don't deal with on other types of hunts and Um, there's a level of adventure in it that is just crazy. I mean, it's just, there was the craziest 10 minutes of my hunting, I guess my life because hunting is about as crazy as my life gets. Um, and, and just the way it went down with the shooting and all the dogs are barking and that bear hit the ground right in front of Heath right before it rolled over into a Creek and died. Um, I mean, it's nuts, man. I mean, it and it, again, it's very physical. Getting a bear out of the woods, even if you're packing out, that part wasn't easy. The hardest thing I did all day was carry the cape up by myself uh, or the, the entire hide. Um I, I carried it probably 150 yards. And then finally, once Derek had gotten his load up, he came back for me. And I was give out, man. I was dead. And, and uh, you know, Chris came back. And he's like, you all right, man? I was like, that that right there was the hardest part, was getting that uh, hide through all this stuff. I had it in a tarp trying to drag it through. Um, this is just a very physical experience, you know? And even if you're killing it closer to the truck, I mean, Heath had a bear charge him, uh, you know, a few days before he came down. He had a video of him jumping up onto his tailgate because a bear was running at him um, when the dogs came through. It's just nuts, man. I mean, it's uh, – yeah. And I have, I have new respect for what those guys do um, Absolutely. and you know I, I actually my whole team's clamoring to get to go with those guys next year and I'm like yeah I'd like to go back at some point to you and, and do it and we ate, I ate my um, it's funny I posted about this on LinkedIn that we went out with these podcast partners and did this and somebody was ragging on me of course and they're like I'm sure you didn't eat it cause it's loaded with parasites. And I'm like, not only did I eat it, I fed it to all three of my children. So go suck it. <laughs> you know, it's,
1: it's go, like wild, go wilds. go outs new app, new, uh, go suck it. Um, that's right.
2: That's our, that's our tagline. Um, but yeah, I mean, I obviously didn't say that I, I tried to actually my, my whole philosophy with these people, um, is to, uh, kill them with kindness. I, I was excessively nice to this guy. I would never say go suck it to somebody. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that.
1: <laughs> Uh, you probably just made a lot of people download the app when you said that. So
2: yeah, maybe, maybe, they, maybe they, I should like be a, a little more aggressive. No, uh, man, I I do uh, I, I I I do try to like usually I don't want to like to me when we get defensive on those kind of conversations we are basically it's a, it becomes fulfilling what they already anticipated we were like right so I like to be super nice to these guys and also make it clear that I'm not a dummy you know um you know I'll, I'll pull out some of the biology on like bear hunting for example. Uh, I was talking to Heath about this, and those older bears, when they get old, they start just like a grizzly bear will. They'll start to kill cubs to keep a sow in heat. People don't realize that stuff. You know, it's like these bear hunters down here actually trying to take mature bears helps the bear population, mm-hmm. and people don't think about that stuff. So I, I like to show people that we're not all savages. You know, we kind of yeah. we thought this through more than maybe you think we have.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, we've been going here for a little bit. Um, I I know, it, man. It's, it, it's been good talking to you. I, know I always you enjoy were... it, so I kind of. For- you weren't planning on working today, but well.
2: <laughs> no, I was planning on working today. I kind of forgot I had a podcast. I was telling Parker, "I uh, uh, today's my last day traveling back to see my family. And uh, I kind of, when I set this up, I forgot I was going to be traveling. So I didn't bring any of my podcast gear. So I'm awkwardly sitting in between like a, a bedroom and I've tried to shun the kids to the other end of the house. So hopefully it was uh, tolerable for you guys that have made it this far.
1: Man, I think people are going to enjoy it. Always. I enjoy uh, our conversation and uh, man. Uh, you, you, what would you tell Southern Ground Hunting listeners? I mean, this is gonna be the last thing they hear from our podcast for 2022. How would you close out?
2: Uh, for let me can I ask a clarifying question or is yeah is yes this you the, can uh, ask away. Is this in is is this in relation to go out or is this just in relation you to you know hunting what man?
1: Show? You know what, it doesn't even have to be hunting related. It might just be some good advice from Brad.
2: All right, uh, you know what, man, I um this year has been crazy. I think, I think, uh, we're going to see, you know, t- from the finance side, I think a lot of people are going to find out that, um, jobs are finite. Things that we think of defining us are finite. And, um, you know, even right now, I've got some people that are close to me that, uh, you, life is finite. Right. And so the, the thing that I've realized with the bear hunt, but also just, uh, in general this year is that, um, wherever you're at, you know, isn't, the, it's not the final chapter you should make the most of where you are, but whatever comes ahead next year. Um, I hope people realize that, you know, don't let yourself down. Don't, don't let the moment now get you down. You've always, what's past is prologue. It's kind of what I keep falling back to and thinking about, you know, um, I, I do think a lot of people are going to, uh, we got a challenging year ahead of us in 2023. You know, I'm, I am talking bigger than hunting right now. Uh, I don't know what this recession is going to do. I, I think, I think a lot of us are going to find ourselves, um, in, in new, new jobs uh, or the searching for jobs, I keep reading about a lot of layoffs. so I would encourage you guys, if that happens to you, uh, get out in the woods, you know, uh, get your mind right and just remember that, that what has happened, what's past this prologue? This is the beginning of your story, you've got another chapter left. Uh, and also to be kind to others because a lot of people are going to be going through that even if you're not. So, you know, I think we can all take that and that, that, that transcends hunting. That's that just being a good person. Uh, and I think that's a message that we're all going to need to keep in mind for next year. Um, I know we've had a fun chat here, but... Uh, this is just something I've been really aware of. I've been talking to a lot of business people who, um, you know, are watching this stuff tighter than, than I really do. And just from seeing the headlines, I feel like it could be early days. I hope it's not, but, uh, just keep your head up and always remember that, uh, what, what's past is, is, is not the title of the book.
1: That was a good way to close out. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Southern ground hunting podcast. And as always, a big shout out to all of our partners. That's Go Wild, Tethered, Spartan Forge, and Six Day Grind Coffee Company. You can keep up with Southern Ground Hunting by following us on Facebook or Instagram or subscribing to the YouTube channel. And you can be sure to check us out at southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch, read some blog articles, and all that good stuff. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you here again next week. Remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We will talk to you next week.